You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at WatchOnPremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. This is the MLW Radio Network. This is the Mind of the Meanie. Here are your hosts, the Blue Meanie and Adam Barnard. Peace world and welcome everybody to the Mind of the Meanie, where we can peek into the world according to former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. Cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I'm your tour guide, Adam Barnard, and he is the Blue Meanie. Meanie, what's on your mind, brother? Uh, it is... Ask Meanie anything, and I am ready to be asked. Let's do it, Meanie. I got a question for you at the top of the show. Yes. It's a very important one. Everybody wants to know the answer to. Yes, dear. Are you ready to ask Meanie? I would love to. Ask me something. Today is another full Ask Meanie Anything episode. Don't forget, you can ask all of your questions to the Blue Meanie. By tweeting us at Mind of the Meanie, and we may ask them on the show. We're going to start right at the top here. Uh, Matt from Dover, Blue, he called you Blue because that's all we, that's your first name now, according to Dave LaGreca from Busted Open. Blue. <laughs> uh, to the best of your ability, can you please explain, spin the wheel, make a deal? A late Halloween habit question. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming, well, I don't know if it's, He's being ironic or not. He might be. Because that was, I was at that Halloween Havoc as a fan. Oh, really? Yeah, 92 Halloween Havoc in Philly. Uh, I was, I was right in the front row, right behind the, uh, well, kind of like on that after side of the fucking ring, a little bit closer to the hard camera side. And, um, yeah, that was the spin the wheel, make the deal gimmick. Uh, which was so bad that they, it, it's gone down in like pro wrestling folklore. Yep. You know, uh, to, I think they made reference, like now that WWE is, a uh, well, continuing it, uh, Halloween Havoc with the NXT brand. They had the wheel there, the spin the wheel, make the deal gimmick. But back then it was like, that was like the, the weird years of WCW. Mm hmm. Where it's like that, uh, you know, McFoley doing the Lost in Cleveland skits and all this other goofy shit. I don't know if it's still the Jim Hurd years, but, you know, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I went to, uh, you know, the, the month before Halloween Havoc, we went to a, like a regular old WCW house show and I had front row tickets for that too, which is kind of weird. And, um, they're like, I, you know, we, we got to the Philadelphia Civic Center and we knew that they were going to sell the tickets for the pay-per-view. So a whole bunch of us just got in line for, uh, to buy Halloween Havoc tickets before the show. And like the line was like so long <clears throat> that they sent, uh, Dillinger, uh, the, the security guy over to try to get all of us to get out of line and go watch the show and then come back and buy them at intermission because there's so many people in line that this the show would be look empty. There's like nobody in the seats because they're all waiting in line to buy the tickets. So they had, oh, Doug Dillinger. They had to go get like somebody to open up the box office before the show. We bought our tickets and then watched the rest of the show. So, you know, that's how I basically got my Halloween Havoc tickets for uh, the next year. Wow. But but to describe the uh, concept, uh, I guess basically it's just like any other thing. You know, they, I don't know if they rigged it to be. I'm sure Conrad's covered this on uh, one of his many podcasts with uh, either 
Tony Schiavone or uh, Bischoff or whatever. But the uh, spin the wheel, make the deal concept. I don't know. I, I, I landed on the coal miners glove match. That's what which, I'm looking up right now. I'm looking up the rules to that, and boy, what a fucking shit show! <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It's kind of bad. Yeah, uh, and it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the rules to you right now while you try to explain it. The coal miners glove match, which was with Sting and Jake the Snake Roberts at Halloween Havoc, yeah. 1992. Coal miners glove was a big heavy leather glove similar to a welder's glove. It had a band of metal wrapped around the knuckle area. The glove hung atop one of the ring posts about 10 feet high. The first participant to gain possession of the glove got to use it on his opponent, and that usually comes with the win. The pinfall was still needed, but after use of the glove. Um, fucking hell. Well, the thing that stood out to me is if you look at that, that fucking match, it's like it was designed only for only Sting to win because they put the glove up there that high. I don't know if Jake could have made the fucking climb up the pole to grab it. You yeah, know? dude. Yeah. And it looked just like it looked like PVC pipe, which I mean, if I tried to fucking climb up there, it probably would have buckled up, you know, under the fucking pressure and just said, fuck this and wind up nutting myself on the top fucking <laughs> turnbuckle or something. Could you imagine <laughs> having to call that match? Somebody did. Oh, it looks like JR, I, was, I think, called it. JR and Jesse Ventura. Oh. Jesse, Jesse Ventura. <laughs> um, yeah, which we is gotta funny. We got to get Cross to back on here to do the, do the impression. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and uh, Jesse Ventura's had a, like a Dracula cape on or something like that. But, yeah, that was, that was, uh, it was cool to actually go. Hey, I'm, I'm starting now. I'm starting to wonder if he asked that question specifically because he knew I was there. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I got to see, uh, Nikita Koloff's last match ever. That was, uh, wow. it was, uh, Nikita Koloff versus Vader. And, um, they, Spilled out of the ring towards us, and it was me and my friend Justin, and a bunch of other strangers. Which you couldn't tell that we were strangers because we're all just fucking chanting. We're chanting, "Use the chair, use the chair, use the chair." And fucking Vader picked up the chair and fucking hit Nikita with it, and uh, we're like, "Yeah!" But eventually, I, I think Nikita got hurt in that match somehow, and um, it was his last match. At the uh, the Philadelphia Civic Center, which is wow. uh, historic yet sad because I'm a big Nikita Koloff fan. Shackleford wants to know, what is Meanie's favorite Richard Christie and Sal Governow prank phone call from the Howard Stern show? Now, again, I'm just wondering if this is a uh, an intentional question because I have been mentioned in two Richard... Sal and Richard prank phone calls. Hey. It's the blue it's the blue meanie. Blue is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I'm buddies with uh Richard and Sal. Richard Christie. From the uh the Stern show. And um met them through used to be a show in Philly called Kid Chris. Yep. And he would have a bunch of get togethers and Sal and Richard were there. I got to meet them, become friends with them. And um, <clears throat> there was a, they did a, there was a character named Riley. Well, he wasn't a character. He was a real person, but Riley Martin, who was a character. Like, he was like a, he, you know, I'm a big fan of, like, Art Bell type shit where they talk about UFOs, ghosts, this, that, the other thing. But this guy fucking claimed that, like, he can reach aliens and, I can't wait. Okan Tanzanwa. I was just trying to map it out in my head. Yep. Okan Tanzanwa. I think is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking weird. I'm trying to pull it up uh, right now. See if I can find some of that weird shit from Stern. Yeah. He, um, they were going to, he had a radio show and they gave him a radio show on the Stern channel. So they ribbed him and they're like, Hey, uh, we want to give a shout out to some of our employees who have been working hard, you know, here at, you know, Sirius. And there's like a list of fucking names they would give them, right? And they did the Bart Simpson of, you know, you know, uh, Hugh, Hugh, Hugh G. Pena or Hugh Penis or whatever, whatever. Yeah, Hugh Jass. Yep. Yeah, Phil McCracken. 
but they're like, you know what? We need like some legit names to throw in there just so he does. He, they're throwing them off the scent and they're like, and, uh, Riley goes, and, uh, Brian Heffron in the mail room. So I was like, Oh my God. I called him. They're like, yeah, we, we're fucking breaking his balls and making him say all these weird fucking names, but we had to throw in some like legit names, you know, legit sounding names. So they threw my name into the hat and, um, that's awesome. Became a part of, uh, Howard Stern, uh, folklore with that. But also, uh, you know, Richard Christie, well, Richard and Sauer, huge wrestling fans. Hey. It's about, uh, hey, parampa pom pom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking, um, Richard would call like these, he was no- notorious for calling like, um, like public access shows and stuff like that. But I guess this one time he called into a, like a live wrestling stream or whatever. Like, yeah. uh, they're talking about wrestling and stuff like that. And he would call in. And he was like, you know, wrestling's not like it used to be. You know, I like wrestlers like, you know, Adrian Adonis. And we like, do, and he was like, start naming all these wrestlers in like alphabetical order. <laughs> And they would hang up. And they're like, "All right, uh, we get it. You're you're a big fan. Yep. Uh, all right, we're bringing back on. Uh, just so you know, uh, they bring him back on. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Bob Backlund and Blue Meanie, and and, <laughs> and then you know they eventually hung up on him. But uh, so man, I'm sure I, you could. These pranks are on YouTube somewhere, but yeah, yeah it was pretty cool that. Yeah, it's pretty prestigious for me being a lifelong, not lifelong. I mean, I, I discovered him in high school, you know, uh, to get mentioned, not in one prank call, phone call, but two prank phone calls on the Howard Stern show. Dude, like I was like hardcore Howard Stern, you know, uh, in high school, but like I can never get up early enough yep. to listen and, uh, I lived in Atlantic City at the time, and we couldn't pick up Philly stations over the air, right? But somebody smartened me up that if you take cable, like television cable, you know, the kind that goes into your cable box. Yep. You get a splitter. You put the cable in there. Put the uh, one cable to go to your TV so you get TV. But if you you get one of those things to hook up to the antenna and you can screw the uh coaxial cable onto that you can pick up philadelphia station you can pick up fm stations directly from philadelphia crazy and it it would come through as crystal clear as like you know satellite radio now there would be like no stack no nothing so that's how i listened to philly stations i was listening to wisp uh all these other stations but i wanted to listen to stern in the mornings so I, again, I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. and I have to leave the house in time to go to school. So what my creative ass did, which is not going to win me any fucking prizes or anything, but I was, you know, you know, uh, thoughtful enough to, or creative enough to realize that if you put the cable into the fucking stereo, the sound out, the audio out, Instead of having it go to a speaker, you run it into your VCR. So you turn, you put your VCR on, you put your TV on, you put the TV to the local community channel, which has like the, the, the clock on there and the ticker and all the community, whatever. So like I'd be, I would be watching that. And instead of, you know, you would get the, the, the video of that, but the audio from the radio and you hit record, I could record. Howard Stern show to a VHS tape oh. with the with the video being the community fucking thing. So it, my VCR would kick one at 6 a.m. long record mode and it would record the whole show. I come home to listen and I'd be watching the TV and when they would go to commercial, I hit, would hit the fast forward and I'd look at the clock to see how many minutes had gone by. Yeah. So I could gauge like when this hit play again. I would listen to the Stern show, you know, Instead of six hours, it'd take me like two, two and a half hours to listen to it, you know? I remember those FM commercials felt like forever. They felt like they were so long. <laughs> Dude, 
I know many of people who said, dude, I love listening to Howard Stern show, but if you got in the car at the wrong fucking time, it was all commercials. Yes. Yes. Like they would, they would like front load, they would like pack all the commercials into one break so he can go an hour without, you know, fucking, you know, especially if he had like an interview on. Yeah. You ended ended up with like fucking 10 minutes worth of commercials so he could go longer. You're like, Oh my God, man. Oh, sometimes be 10 minutes, sometimes be 15 minutes. I, we sat in the, I sat in the break room that time. I told you I went to the show and I remember listening and being like, okay, that's that, like it feels you like when you do radio or any kind of broadcast, like you can feel that natural next step. Like you know, you kind of like, okay, well now I feel like yeah. this is the last commercial they're going to play before you go to the next one. It was just like, holy shit, there's so many. Like this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I could pick up that ebb and flow because like, you know, you watch certain TV shows. And you would pause, you know, recording on a VCR, you hit pause during the commercial. You're like, okay, and they're coming back now. Yep. And you would hit the thing and it just, your, your, inter- your internal clock would start picking up on, you know, the commercial breaks and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, you, you said you went to the, uh, the Stern show? I did, yes. I went in 2000 and, I was out of high school, so it was probably 2003 or 2004. It nice. was, uh, it was the, uh, I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this. It was uh, my buddy Jeff uh, was a trainer for Bally's. And they were doing a contest. Uh, it was for, they was called it from lard ass to hard ass. And <laughs> winner got, it was two, like, two heavy set guys. And whoever lost the most amount of weight got a night with a porn star and like 25 grand, you know, thanks to Bally's because Bally's was the, the trainers that were, that were doing it. So Jeff calls. He's like, Hey man, let's go to this. Let's go. You know, let's go up to New York. And we went up to the K Rock station and it was just like, Holy shit. I can't believe I'm here. I didn't actually get to, I got to see everyone but Howard because Howard never leaves the studio. But right. I was able to get close enough, like when Jeff and them went back, I was able to get close enough to actually see in the studio. So I got to see like his side profile from where we were. Um, so that's that cool was, enough, you know, close enough to the, to the God, you know, like it was crazy, man. It was a wild time. So, uh, so what was his name? Woody was there. Um, <laughs> Artie Lang was still on the show and he was shit faced drunk because he lost a ton of money at the NCAA event. And that was the day yeah. that Courtney Love walked by me smelling like an ashtray and, 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 and butt. It was horrible. She was called the show and was there and was like, oh, I'm in New York. So they rushed Jeff and the guys through. And um, I actually found the picture from the last time we talked. I, uh, it's a picture of her. She's got this like shawl on. It looks like a like a chair, like a cheesecloth curtain that she's wrapped around herself. It's yellow, <laughs> like she'd been smoking in front of it for six years. She had no shoes on. She was wearing a, holding a rose. And it's wintertime in New York, too, right? No shoes. I think I remember this. Yeah, nothing underneath it. And she shows up to the studio and she just like sashayed by us. It was like she was floating by us almost. And she smelled. She smelled really bad. Like that's the mm-hmm. one thing I remember was that she had a she had body odor. And like I hate to be mean like that, but like you meet you see Courtney Love and like the one thing you'd remember is fucking body odor. But I mean, you know. That's exactly right, dude. It was like it was like she walked by and just was like, Oh, thanks. Courtney Love's here. Um, I'm just gonna fart to make it smell better in here. Honestly, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of, it was kind of. She had a headlock. She had a headlock on a hoagie. <laughs> yeah, of course. Headlock on a hoagie. No, it was um, it was bad. No, I mean it was a wonderful time. It was it was a cool experience. You know, talking to Baba Booey for like ten minutes was really cool. Um, just chopping it up I, about his I, job and. I always wanted to play stump the Bowie. Yeah, I think I would win. Stump, stump the boo. The Bowie. Dude, like uh, especially late seventies, eighties music. Like uh, I have a friend Albert, and his wife Michelle's like in the same wheelhouse as me. And we've done the game where like he'll play like thirty seconds of a song, and we write down the uh, the name of the song and the artist. And she beat me by like point five. Like she, I know shit. it was fucking Stacy Q, two of fucking hearts, and I couldn't remember Stacy Q, but I remember two of hearts. So she. Got the uh, both, but I lost. But like, yeah, man, I love shit like that. I would love to go and stump the Bowie or something like that. And I'm just laughing, like I'm now thinking in my head, Baba Bowie, like the idea mm-hmm. that this man's name, <laughs> Robert A. Bowie, <laughs> become Baba Bowie. <laughs> yeah, and you know how that came about, right? Because he bought a, he used to buy art sales, and yeah. one was Baba Louie. And he yeah. kept calling it Baba Booey, and yeah. Howard just kept fucking with him, and it ended up sticking. And it's just the fucking 
Dude, I uh, I missed the Billy West days of the Howard Stern show. Yeah, dude. And they would they would like prank call him. They're like, "Hi, this is Barbara. Barbara who? <laughs> Barbara Bowie." <laughs> <laughs> With on the his, Jackie laugh. <laughs> yep. On his um on his Wikipedia page, they have other names: Baba Booey, Tata Toothy, Fafa yeah. Booey, Mama Monkey. Like they just list it all out. <laughs> this is fucking the best part. Is <laughs> yes, he started yelling it during golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now they yell. Now they yell Baba Booey when they hit the ball. And it became such a thing that the PGA worked it into one of the videos. Really? <laughs> they worked it into one of the video games. So when he's he boy. That's amazing. Dude. So I swear good, to God. Dude. This, so good. I swear to, I swear to God this happened. I play MLB the show. Yep. And I play Road to the Show. And during one of the fucking home runs, there was a, a Baba Bowie <laughs> on road to the show. And I, it happened once and I never heard it again because I wanted to re- fucking record. Like somebody hit like a fucking grand slam. And I was like, oh my God. I was like looking around and anybody else in the room to fucking hear this, you know, but <laughs> God damn it. That's so good. But, yeah. uh, yeah, the Stern show, man, that fucking so good. Dude. So good. I uh I got I have series in the car and now that I'm gonna be driving a little bit longer for work I gotta I gotta put it back on but it's just it's God it's so good man the Baba yeah I, I, is I so great I I got to go to the serious studios uh, oh Richard that's cool gave me the uh, tour and every time I went up it's usually during like a holiday break so I didn't really get a chance to see yeah you know I met I met I think I met uh I forget who I met I know Shuli was there mm. Richard was there Sal was there. I got, got I got to go in the uh, Richard and Sal room. Oh, that's cool. Where where they do all their pranks and they show me how like they do everything. Like, you know, they call and they got several different phones in there. It's kind of like, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh my god, I can't think of his name. He does all the fucking voices. Um, ah, uh, it's uh not not Sour Shoes, is it? No, no. There's another DJ. Um. Phil Hendry. It's kind of like Phil Hendry. If you've, if everybody familiar with Phil Hendry, he's like a, a, an amazing voice artist. He does cartoons, but like he would have a radio show and he would be the, the, he would play the role of the straight fucking radio host. But then like he would go to, go to the phones, quote unquote, and the person on the phone would just be him doing another voice. Like, <laughs> and he would go back and forth between the mic and the phone and argue with himself, like, and like people would call in to argue with the per- the fake person, the fake guests. Yep. And then like it, it was it would go. Eventually, he broke kayfabe and let people you know behind the peek behind the curtain, which kind of disappointed me. But like it was amazing. So to go in the, the Sal Richard room and see how they kind of did things was was pretty cool. And they they played me some stuff that probably never make air because you know little peek behind the curtain. When you do these prank calls, you got to call them back and get like. Uh, permission mm-hmm. yeah hey uh so and so we're just having a little fun with you can we can we play this for eric oh yeah sure and they record him saying but there's somewhere people are like fuck you you know <laughs> so i got to hear some of the you know the the fuck you pranks that you know would never make it there but you know it, it, was, it was it was a cool experience to go up there and you know see the studio and uh see the jackie puppet and yeah See the Baba Bowie puppet and the Sibian and. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'd love to go up there again. Uh, K Rock was a, was a really cool experience to be there. Like it was yeah. just like, you know, you're like, holy shit, you, you know, I've been listening from well before I should have been allowed to listen to Howard Stern. Um, yeah. but you know, it was a great show. It was a, it was a great time. Um, that um, was like me with fucking, uh, listen to George Carlin. I'm amazed my family. My my folks let me listen to George Carlin. They Honestly, knew I was God. listening. I would go to the local video store and rent the the VHS and be listening and laughing. Yeah, they knew, but they they're like, oh okay. Yeah, uh, why is he listening to this? I uh, <laughs> I was just thinking that my favorite Richard Christie phone call though was when he calls the um, I guess he calls the buffet or he's calling um like a restaurant and he's ordering <laughs> stuff and then they layer his voice. So he's like, okay, well, I want to make sure I got this right. I got a, 
you know, and he'd start reading off the food and then you'd hear his voice start talking like on top of it, but it's like a second off. So yeah. it's like, you know, and it's like, and they layer it with a third one and the person on the phone is trying to take the order. Like, hold on, hold on a second. I can't hear what you're saying. Oh, what's that? You having trouble with your phone? Oh, okay. Let me try again. So we want to order and then it would start all over again, dude. That shit was that fucking brilliant. Pop me, man. Fucking brilliant. He called the fucking, there's a, that one huge buffet out in like uh, Lancaster or whatever. He called them and he had them fucking reading off the entire menu. <laughs> he's like, I want to come out there, and uh, yeah, and then the ladies like for like twenty minutes, not twenty minutes, but a couple yeah. minutes, just like reading off the whole thing. He's like, "Oh, I missed that one in the middle," and he's fucking hang up, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Richard, I love those guys, man. Uh, so good. Yeah. Uh, let me see what else we have going on here. Uh, we got a bunch of questions from Mark and Dryden. Uh, hey, fellas, who is you and Adam's favorite Flyers players? Oh, I mean, of course, you got to go with fucking Schultz. You know, they hammer, you know. Yeah. Who also uh, appeared on a WCW pay-per-view. Well, yeah, WCW. He was on uh, Slamboree from Philly. He was the referee for uh, Nasty Boys versus... Uh, Mick and uh, Cactus Jack or whatever. He, he totally fucked up Brian. Uh, or no, uh, Jerry Sags. Mm. Fucking, he did the thing where he, you know, pulled the shirt over and punched him and fucking gave him a fucking concussion. I was like, holy shit. Jesus. But, uh, yeah, probably, uh, you know, dude, I was born. Like the year after I was born, they, they won the two Stanley Cups. And for some reason, I, I vaguely, vaguely remember being at the parade somehow. You know, in my fucking, in my, uh, stroller. Fucking words today, man, I swear. <laughs> but, um, I definitely remember when the Pope came to Philly, but, uh, I definitely remember, I think I remember being at the fucking, uh, uh the uh, Stanley Cup parade. But yeah, that, the whole Broad Street Bullies thing, I'm kind of disappointed. They were supposed to do, Rob Zombie was going to do a fucking movie based on the Broad Street Bullies. Oh, yeah. What happened to that? Apparently, I guess a lot of the players want more money for their the na- their names to be in the movie or something like that. And, you know, he was in Philly for a little bit, you know, researching and doing everything. And it's never came about. But, That's a shame. uh, yeah, that would have been a great fucking movie, you know? Yeah. But, um, it's like, it was like Boogie Nights meets Slapshot kind of thing. But, uh, <laughs> I bet then, yeah, in the eighties, you got Eric Lindros and stuff like that. And those teams, when, you know, uh, you know, we're going, you know, when they would go to, you know, game seven with the, the Edmonton Oilers and shit like that, that was a fucking legendary team too with Lindros and all them going head to head with Gretzky. But, yep. um, uh, and the, the sad thing is, you know, fucking when the, you know, Pelly Lindbergh died. Like he was going, he was going to be the, like the next big thing, you know. Um, and then he 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 passed away in his Corvette. And, oh jeez. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. He had a Porsche, and he uh, was trying to navigate a corner and crashed his Porsche and died. And oddly enough, this is around the same time that Magnum TA crashed his Porsche. Wow. And became became paralyzed. So it's like. It's weird, like my two worlds were coming together with pro wrestling and uh hockey coming together with, you know, me losing Pelly Lindbergh, you know, when he crashed his portion and Magnum TA he had to retire from wrestling because, you know, he nearly died crashing his Porsche, you know, trying to maneuver a a turn or he he hydroplaned. Mm, yeah. But um yeah. Uh I'm a big fan of the old school, you know, flyers, you know. It's definitely the, the Broad Street Bullies in that era. When they I, beat the shit out of the Russians. <laughs> yeah. I would say for me, I wasn't old enough for the Broad Street Bullies. I came in like right after that. I was Legion of Doom time. So, yes. you know, my favorite flyer was Eric Lindros. I just could not get enough watching him while he played. Um, but, you know, Legion of Doom was Eric Lindros and John LeClaire and Michael Reinberg, right? Is that the three of them or was Dejardin in there? 
I'm thinking Deja or Dan, but I could be wrong. I can't. I think he was involved with them or something. I know he was probably, I mean, he was a part of that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we used to go for, uh, probably every weekend, every Sunday, my uncle had tickets to the Flyers. And he would rotate all, me and all my cousins out to go with him. And it, that was just, that was the time. And, you know, getting to watch Eric Lindros play at the Spectrum and Legion of Doom t- uh, time was, it was cool, man. It was, it was a good time. Um, so I would say those are, for me, it was probably, probably Lindros. And in that, in that, that eighties era was weird because in Philly, cable was like still fairly new. Yeah. If you lived on the west side of Broad Street, you got cable. Yep. If you lived on the east side of Broad Street, they didn't have cable. So if you wanted to watch like a Flyers game, you know, uh, McCuskers in the, you know, eight seventies and eighties, they would get like, they would do killer business because people who lived on the other side of Broad Street would walk over. To, you go to the bar to watch the game. Uh-huh. That's the only way you could watch the game back in the day. So, well, the Flyers played on Prism, right? Was that the channel that they played on? Yeah, yeah, Prism. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if you didn't have cable, you were fucked. Yep. So people would have to go, you know, from what, literally a street. You know, you, you know, you lived on the west, the east side. You didn't get cable. West side got cable. You had to, you'd have to walk across the street to somebody's house or go to to a bar yep. that had Prism, and you know, for those. Who haven't been listening to the show forever? Prism was like our, our local HBO equivalent, but it was like just Philly sports and uh, you know mainstream movies and stuff like that. Yeah, Prism was the shit, man. That was oh the my god, best shit, man. Love. I'm Prism. still thinking. I'm. Still, I know you were talking about getting a Prism tattoo, but I'm, I've been thinking about doing that as well. We should, man. We should. We should do it. Film it for the show. We give people. The well, content. I don't want to be twin. I don't want to be twinsies. Well, I'll get it on my, my, my right butt cheek and you can get it on the left butt cheek. Get a variant. Get a variant cover, bro. Like a, like a comic book. It'll be fine. Uh, Martin Dryden's got more questions for us here. Uh, he actually might carry us through the rest of the show. Let's see if we can, uh, see here. He's got two questions about last week. Two weeks ago is raw now. What did you guys think about the Austin Theory segments and his match? We'll start there. Uh, I did not see them. So that's, uh, yeah, that, that would have to be for you. Uh, well, actually, so first thing first, Shackleford just uh, jumped in the show here. Uh, also, patreon.com slash mind of the meaning. Get to watch the show early and ad free as we record and see our beautiful faces here. Uh, he actually said that the third man was uh, Michael Reinberg. So that is oh, okay. uh, that is the answer there. Um, I honestly, I'm OK with them blowing up the character and starting from scratch. I uh, I was not a fan of so so what happened for those who haven't watched oh yes like for myself. the uninitiated yeah so a couple weeks back now um, they had Austin Theory cash in against Seth Rollins for the United States title uh, he was uh, Austin Theory was Mr Money in the Bank they had him cash in and he lost to uh, Seth Rollins and uh, now they basically have him kind of starting from the ground up he's ditched the selfie stuff and you know he's 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 a lot more angry he hasn't shaven in a while and he's you know he, he looks uh. Very much like a uh, um, <coughs> looks very much like uh, a, a different person, uh, but I'm okay with them blowing him up. I guess we could maybe kind of talk about that. Um, what do you think about the way the process sometimes that they do um, character changes and and character arcs? The way they kind of just stop everything, just like reinvent them. Yeah, yeah. How do how do you feel about the way that they process them? Well, I'm only I can only guess that maybe they did that because. It had Vince's fingerprints all over it. Right. And the fact that, you know, uh, not that they're totally going to separate themselves from Vince McMahon, but in order for them to show highlights of this character, they're going to have to show a lot of old Vince clips, you know, and stuff like that with him doing the selfie, the stuff at WrestleMania, this, that, and the other thing. It was very Vince heavy, you know, as far as, you know, uh, Ooh, a little, uh, I didn't even have a seltzer, you know, sorry. A little seltzer the kiss name. there. Yeah, sel- seltzerless kiss. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just, uh, it was probably a good thing to do. Like I said, the, uh, the character was so involved with Vince and, uh, you know, it, that version of him would probably, you know, remind everybody of Vince. You know, like for, for instance, fucking Roman was like, you know, daddy's not here anymore, you know. Stuff like that. So, totally, you know, uh, Sherry says, put a new coat of paint on him and uh, let him be something new. And, uh, 
you know, uh, re- reinvent it, which isn't a bad thing. You know, uh, you know, a lot of characters, I mean, look how many times, you know, uh, characters have evolved or reinvented themselves and, uh, stuff like that. So it could be a good thing. I mean, uh, the, the old version of Austin Theory had a lot of heat. I don't know how much of it was good heat, bad heat, whatever, but it, it had heat. But, uh, have them, uh, you know, evolve into a new version of Austin Theory and uh, see where it goes. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to the way they've been arcing him and kind of bringing him in as far as, far as the, the U.S. title. It seems like while Roman is the top dog on both brands, it seems like they're doing a lot of work to make the Intercontinental belt and the U.S. belt like the top titles on the show. You know, making yeah. those quote-unquote secondary or mid-card titles like the top ace titles while Roman is still, you know, sitting very well at top of the card. Uh, so I appreciate the fact. I don't necessarily mind the fact that he cashed in for the U.S. title. Um, I, I kind of wish they would have built it a little bit better, you know, as far as explained it that way. Like, hey, we're going to be, you know, working this in and, and this, that, and the other. But I, I, I don't necessarily mind that they did that. But again, I also, I'm okay with the fact that they're blowing it up because, again, you're right. Like, there wasn't a ton of good heat like it's bad heat because he was like a snappy little prick you know right he was this nasty character um cocky arrogant hadn't really earned anything and i mean yeah that's great for like cheap heat but how are you going to sustain that long term like let's just say for example vince's plan was to use austin theory to take the belts off of roman how do you build on that long term you know like is this you know what i'm saying like i i I don't know if i necessarily would have gone that route he uh, cashed in on the U.S. title, you said? He did. He cashed in on the U.S. title, uh, I guess it was about three weeks ago now. And, uh, WWE's huge on firsts as right. well. You know, they love you know, the, the first of anything. For the first time, somebody cashed in on a belt that wasn't the U.S., that wasn't the world belt or the universal belt, which kind of puts a fresh spin on the money in a bank concept, you know, where, you know, you know, they love to say never before in world sports entertainment history has this person done that thing. So right. the fact that he cashed in on a U.S. title puts a whole new spin on the brand that anything can happen with the money in the bank. Yeah. You know, uh, briefcase. And it's cool because I guess, you know, the U.S. title is, you know, it's it's the same legacy that they've had since Jim Crockett promotions and the NWA. The The actual lineage of the belt goes all the way back to 1975 um and that's really cool that this belt still exists you know like it's it's it had a limited time where it wasn't defended it looks like it was between 2001 and 2003 and now they've carried the same lineage forward um i'm not again i'm not necessarily opposed to it i just think sometimes they don't necessarily map everything out you know, like they, yeah. they, they expect the fans to, I guess, maybe be smarter than they are, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but again, it's, it's also like, well, maybe we should have, you know, laid the, uh, or set the table a little bit better, uh, in gotcha. that regard, you know? Um, but yeah. I, again, I'm not, I'm not opposed to them blowing up Austin Theory and, and starting over. <laughs> um, he has potential, you know? I mean, again, it's, it's, again, it's, and I, I don't mean to, oh, he's definitely it's not mind of the Adam. It's not ask Adam anything, but you're asking me my opinion. Um, they need to build new stars. Cody is yeah. coming back. You know, they need to re- rehab Drew a little bit. Um, but you have Austin Theory. You have guys like Apollo Crews that are still sitting on the sidelines. Mustafa Ali. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Riddle. Matt Riddle, rather. I mean, you have guys, Damian Priest. These guys are all potential huge stars. How do you take the clay and the foundations that are there and make them rock level or Austin level or Roman level? You know, not everybody can be a John Cena, but you do need people to carry the brand. It can't yeah. just be every once, you know, it can't be every 10 years you have a John Cena and then a Roman Reigns, you know? Um, but again, it's, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't hate it. So a time will tell brother, as they say, yes. uh, brother, 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 uh, Derek Sabato, a friend of the show has a question for us here. Uh, he wants to oh. know Meanie, When are we going to talk about the old, Philly Indie Wars. <laughs> Shout out to Derek Sabato. Uh, he does a lot of the research for the Conrad shows. Shout out to the uh, Ad Freak Shows team. 
Yeah, but I, I, I've known Derek forever. He uh, refereed. He worked for CZW. Uh, great guy. And uh, we've been talking a lot over the uh, the course of the Phillies. And so well, he's a Philly sports fan like me, too. So we're going back and forth. But, uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, back, was it, you know, 2002 to 2005, maybe. There's this thing dubbed the, the Philly Indie Wars or whatever. Um, I mean, it's right in the ashes of when uh, ECW had gone away. Mm. And I felt like there was a void in the, the Philadelphia independent scene and uh, started, you know, uh, doing 3PW, propane, pro wrestling, 3Ps, propane, pro Three P's, three PW. Um, uh, as soon as we announced the first show for three PW, there's a press release, uh, or a video plans on doing Ring of Honor. And we're like, fuck. Shit. Right. And, uh, CCW was doing shows, but they were still running out of like South Jersey. But it's like the perfect storm of like, okay, here's a perfect time to move in. You know, and, and run shows in Philly, run, run shows at the ECW Arena. And then, you know, two other promotions that basically had the same fucking concept of running Philly. And, uh, it caused a little bit of, uh, friction for a little bit between myself and, you know, the, uh, ROH guys and the CZW guys and stuff like that to where, you know, we were running shows at the same night, which typically isn't really an ideal thing to do. You never want to make the fans choose. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like when a, a boyfriend goes, it's either him or me, oh, yeah. you know, and, and she picks the other guy just out of spite, you know. So, uh, yeah, the Philly Indie Wars were like a thing is for a while. And then, um, I'm trying to think, uh, I, you know, CCW was running East Ab Arena, 3PW was running East Ab Arena, Ring of Honor was running the Murphy Rec Center, which is right off of Oregon Avenue. Like a block over, um, and then they start running the uh, armory in the northeast. But like we were running, I mean, there's like almost a show a week in Philly. If you're yeah. like a, a wrestling fan in Philadelphia, you had, it must have been a great time for you to be a fan because you you could go to a show once a week on the weekends, and you know when uh, you know you always try to outdo each other and stuff like that, and bring in names. But there's like one time where, you know, where, uh, we got together with CZW and had like a little bit of a dream match with Wife Beater and Zandig versus Raven and, uh, Sandman. So there, there's points where we actually start working together. But it wasn't until, uh, XPW started, mm. you know, trying to move from California to the East Coast and they, they tried to, uh, you know, have exclusivity to the East Arena. Uh, Rob Black and company, uh, they, they, they got a, uh, lease mm. word. Supposedly they had a lease. They're paying the arena X amount of dollars to be the only company, wrestling company to run DCW arena. So th- that was fucking stupid on their part because say they came to Philly and ran the ECW arena and they were like the fourth show. Like there's instead of three shows a month, there's four shows. Or they would have shared the building with us. Mm-hmm. Everything would have been fine. But now you're kicking us out of the ECW arena. And uh, you're trying to run the ECW arena. I just guaranteed that CZW and 3PW and Ring of Honor were all going to run head-to-head with them. Right. And uh, it wasn't until like this one show, maybe 2004, you know, we, we got thrown out of the uh, ECW arena because they had a quote-unquote lease. And uh, they were doing... Uh, back-to-back show, Friday-Saturday show at the um, East Sub Arena. We were going to do a Saturday show. We were running the Electric Factory, which was kind of cool. Yeah. I, I've, I had a connection over there, and uh, my buddy, uh, Jerry, who's a huge wrestling fan, is like, hey, you want to run shows at the Electric Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they did their Friday show, and uh, they, the ring announcer gets in the, uh, the ring and goes, uh, tomorrow's show is canceled. The one that was supposed to go head to head with 3PW, they canceled their Saturday show and that was the last show they ran. Wow. Yeah. And, um, like all the 
fans that had tickets for XPW came over to the Electric Factory for the 3PW show at the Electric Factory and some of the workers who were supposed to work stopped by and stuff like that. But eventually, you know, uh, it just, you know, 3PW went out of business, you know, for things beyond our control. Uh, Ring of Honor kept running, CZW kept running. But, uh, I'll say this as much as fun as it, it was fun to run shows, but it was also, there was an anxiety that came with it that I really, uh, don't miss. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Is that, is it like, like, what is yeah. that like? Like, what, what does that do to you emotionally? Like, what, like you're getting ready to run a show. Like, what does that, what does that feel like? Oh, well, here's the show I have in mind. And then here's the, the actualities of, uh, is that person going to show up? Is that person going to make their flight? Is that person going to agree with the booking? Um, and then the, the thing you, you've been promising in advertising becomes a whole other thing and you feel like you've let the fans down and, and there was other issues too, which I, you know, for an, an, another time, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was fucking highly stressful, highly anxiety inducing and something that made me appreciate just being a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> like if somebody asked me my opinion, I could give them an opinion on what they want to do with their show. But I would never want to like be a booker or anything ever again. Just, yeah. this is the bullshit you, you got to put up with, you know, and stuff like that. So anytime somebody's like, I think about running shows, I go, why? <laughs> you know? you want to try and make money? You want to try and make money? Do an autograph show. Yeah. Nobody's going to worry about who's losing, who's going over this, that, and the other thing. People just go to their table, sign the things, and they're done. Dude, it, I'm telling you, like, Doing the when I was working with Lawler a couple weeks ago at Super Jersey, like seeing behind the curtain of how some of that stuff works, it's like wow, this shit is easy. Like all you got, you know what I mean? It's like here's a process, here's what you got to do here, here's this part, this is what you need to do, you know, as far as like like pays and stuff, and like man, it's simple. Like it's just dude, it's stress free. It feels like, dude. I was going to uh, me and Miss Me were just talking about this the other night. Anytime somebody passes away, they're like, we're going to do a benefit show. I'm like, why? Right. You're, right. you're better off. If you want to raise money for the family, just do a beef and beer. Yeah. Just, you'll make more money that way with, look, if you're going to run a wrestling show, before you even announce it, consider yourself 10 grand in a hole. You know, if you're going to run a good show, yeah, you're at least going to be 10 grand in a hole because you got to run the building. Got to run the ring, depending on where you're at with the license. You got to find somebody with a license. Then you got to do advertise the show. Then you got to make tickets. Then you got flights. Then you got hotels. And then you know, duh, you got to pay the wrestlers. Right. So easy, ten grand in the hole before you even announce that you're running a show. Uh, Whereas if you would just do like a buddy of mine passed away a couple of years ago that I went to wrestling school with, they're like, I think we're going to do a benefit show. You want to be on? I was like, look, I'm not going to work a show for free and you're not going to make money running this show. Just do something else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, benefit shows don't make money, you know, just, you know, just knowing what everything that goes into, if you want to do it, you know, Rent out a bar and, you know, yeah. buy a couple of kegs and pay X amount of dollars per beer and for sandwiches and you'll raise more money doing it that way than, you know, uh, trying to do a benefit show. So yeah, just, uh, the whole Philly Indie Wars thing was an interesting time, uh, a stressful time. And, uh, but I'm, I don't regret it. You know, because you got to do some cool things. Um, I'm, I was buddies with the guys from the band Saliva. Mm. <clears throat> and, uh, they were in town. I went to see them and, uh, I get to, I went up to the drummer. I was like, Paul, I was like, Hey man, can you wear my three PW shirt on stage tonight? He's like, well, I promised somebody I was going to wear this shirt tonight, but tomorrow we're doing survivor series in New York. I'll wear my, or your three PW shirt on WWF. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, yep. 
So he, uh, they went and did, uh, was it Sunday night heat before they did skits or whatever. And he said, yeah, they just walked in, looked at their shirts, made sure it wasn't like Nike or anything. And they're like, they okayed the shirt. So they did like a backstage segment and they played Jericho to the ring and they played like another song. And if you look at the drummer, he's wearing my three PW shirt that I gave him the night before at the, uh, they were playing the Trocadero. Oh, that's crazy. So the next night, my, uh, a shirt that I designed myself and got printed up, he made it on WWF television. (laughs) That's amazing. That's super cool, man. I would love to dig deep into uh, the Philly Indie Wars sometime on one of these uh, episodes. So maybe we can uh, maybe we can map that out if you're interested. Go yeah. long form someday. Uh, last question for this show uh, from Mark and Dryden. What would you say is the most positive and most negative thing ECW contributed to professional wrestling? Oh, man. Oh, positive. I mean, they took them out of. They forced WWE and the other, you know, WCW to be a little bit more edgy. There's edgier content and stuff like that. And it forced WWE to stop being so cartoony. You know, uh, I don't get, I don't blame them. You know, in the eighties and through the eighties to the early nineties, WWE was a little bit cartoonish because Vince McMahon being smart. Realize if you aim your product towards kids, if the kids want to go to the show, the kids can't buy the tickets by themselves. So you're buying tickets for kids. Now the adults, the parents have to buy tickets. So you, you know, you're getting four sale, you're getting four tickets out of one family. Right. You know, so that's where you, that's where you're making your money. Aim it towards kids. The kids want to go. Well, you got to bring the parents. You know, the kids going to want a t-shirt, this, that, and the other thing, and the, and the toys and all that stuff. <clears throat> but uh you know towards you know the, the the run with you know doink they literally brought in the clown you know they right. said oh wrestling's such a circus well here's a clown but uh, i like the evil doink i'm not even gonna knock that i like the matt born doink yeah you know? you know what dude i was gonna say i uh i enjoy like evil doink scared the shit out of me as a kid i thought that yeah, was, it was, it was it was a little clockwork orange yeah you know just but uh you know uh you know, and uh, shout out, you know, Paul did wonderful things with ECW, but also shout out to Todd Gordon, Bob Ortiz, his wife, Lex Ortiz, and the late, great Larry Winter, who, again, there, uh, there was a wrestling promotion before ECW called Tri-State Wrestling Alliance. Joel Goodhart was running these super shows, and eventually he went out of business. So, that you know, Bob Ortiz, Lex Ortiz, Larry Winters met Todd Gordon at his uh, Carver W. Reed uh, store in Center City. I was like, man, there's a void. Kind of like the 3PW show. You know, I was like, man, there's this void in the, in the wrestling scene. And that's how they came up with ECW. Just like they start running shows at the uh, Mike, Schmitz, Mike Schmitz Sports Bar and the uh, Chestnut Cabaret and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, the early shows were a little rough to watch, but, you know, it grew into this thing. And, uh, I think, you know, the positive thing ECW did, it, 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 it was brought, you know, this influential style. It, it was like this melting pot of Japanese style of Lucha Libre. There was a little bit of hardcore. Everybody thinks it was all hardcore blood guts and everything. And that's how, you know, we portrayed ourselves. You know, that's, that was, you know, the footage on the scissor reel. But then again, you would see, you know, Jerry Lynn, you would see Tommy Rogers, Rob Van Dam, Sabu, you know, doing yeah, Daddy Guerrero, Dimalenko classic, you know, yeah. Some, some, some of the best wrestling, you know, happened in ECW, you know, and, um, you know, it's got, you know, there's a reason why people still cheer about it to this day. Uh, Negative? I don't know. It's just maybe it's spawning. Maybe it's spawning a bunch of copycats. Mm. You know, and in some ways, ECW, um, ECW definitely borrowed from Memphis. ECW borrowed from Japan with FMW and stuff like that, and brought that to the states. But it was definitely heavily Memphis influenced, uh, and people would see, you know, the Terry Funk, Sabu, Bob Wire match, 
you know, and stuff like that. So then people are like, oh, what are we going to do? You know? Right. How are we gonna top this? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, the, that's the bad thing about, you know, some of the hardcore stuff, you know, how do you go on top it? You know? Well, if I jump in for a second too, I sure. think, like, sure. I think what appeals to me for something like the Terry Funk, Cactus Jack, Barbed Wire, Exploding Death Matches, and ECW, cause I feel like I kind of put those two together. Yeah. I, I think more of the hardcore, I don't want to call it mud show because that's not the right word, but it's like the hardcore, like GCW kind of style. I don't know, man. There's something about it that misses for me because I feel like it's, it's a lot like violent movies, right? Like when you watch the Sopranos, you know that you're the violence or like a mafia movie from the eighties or the nineties, even Godfather, the violence is based upon the story, right? There's a Mm -hmm. reason for the violence. Yeah. Whereas something like a, like that, like the hardcore deathmatch shit recently, it's gore for the sake of gore and violence for the sake of violence. There's no story behind it, right? When you right. watch like a, I don't want to say like a new Jack match, but if even if you watch like a, you know, one of the Dudley matches, the throwing people through tables and, the, you know, the spots that they used to do and, and some of the more violent, edgy stuff you guys did during that time, it was story level to it. You know, there was a yeah. reason behind it. Uh, do you feel the same way where it's kind of a miss sometimes or do you think it's just where you're like, whoa, that's a lot like that. That feels like a lot in one space. Yeah. It's just, um, and here's the thing. I'll, you know, sometimes I'm a little critical of the hardcore stuff now. Uh, and people are like, well, you can't have no right to talk. You're an ECW. I was like, actually, that's how I formed my opinion because I was an ECW I saw what some of that hardcore stuff did to New Jack, what it did to Axel, what it did to Balls Mahoney. And the, that's their shit lasts a while. And I don't care how much money they're fucking paying you. If you have to go to a hospital, you know, wherever they pay you is not going to cover the hospital bill and the, uh, the care you're going to need down the line when those, the effects of everything you've done catches up to you, especially with that light tube shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you God. got the you got you got the, the the powder in there that's I'm pretty sure causes cancer. Um, you know, you get that into your bloodstream and all that stuff. So it's not from I'm not coming from a place of man yelling at the cloud and back in my day shit. I'm coming from a place of guys, you got to take care of yourselves. Yeah, you know, and one guys, I don't want to see people end up like how some of my friends have ended up. You know, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. And maybe that's the slight negative that there was like, there's people who wanted to be the next ECW, but missed the the plot. They missed the plot point of what ECW was. Right. ECW was an attitude. It was a, a moment in time that, uh, you know, I, I call it the Haley's common to pro wrestling. It, it, it was, it was shown, it shined bright and real quick, but you know, the people who saw it, at the time were affected by it forever. You know, there's yeah. a reason why people still cheer that and not, you don't hear AWA chants, you know, you hear ECW, right? Yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a feeling. It was an emotion. It was a time and you had to be there and it can't be replicated. That's why everybody's like, Oh, they're trying to bring back the attitude era. It's like, honestly, dude, I don't, I don't want the attitude era back because no. even anybody who does the attitude era is not going to do it or, you know, quote unquote <laughs> tries to do the attitude era. <laughs> It's not going to be the Attitude Era. It's going to yeah. be something that is a very clear fake of the Attitude Era. I don't want yeah. it. I don't want to watch it. I've watched all that. If I want to watch it again, I can go back and watch it. But the reason that it was so great is because it was special. It was it was at the right time, at the right place, with the right people. And, 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 and the right opposition with WCW. Right. It felt like right. everybody was fighting each other and it was like it was cool. It was like an arms race. Yeah. Yeah. You know, between WCW and, and WWE and ECW kind of paid the price for it, but WWE, we definitely, ECW was definitely underneath the uh, WWE umbrella, you know. ECW was the Cuba in the 1960s arm race between the United States and the Soviet Union. <laughs> That's a very good analogy and uh, yes. a very good way to end up Ask Meanie Anything, this this edition here 
we thank you all for the questions all the time. We love it. This is our favorite segment of the show. Um, yes. And we really enjoy this. So please make sure you're always just sending the question to us because we love asking them. But meaning more importantly, after they are done listening to this episode, where can people find you on social uh, media? And before I get to that, yeah, thanks oh, to yeah, everybody sure. for their questions. Uh, really, it's just like, you know, we talk. Yeah, I love talking with Adam, but the Ask Me Any Questions uh, helps jar a lot of memories loose. And it helps get the, uh, gets the, uh, the juice flow. So thank you to everybody who's contributed, whether it's through the hashtag or right here, our, all our pod squad in the, uh, the chat room here. So go to patreon.com slash mind and meanie if you want to join us live. But if you want to follow Blue Meanie on all forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and, uh, is Twitter still here? Let me check. I'm not my sure. And, and, and we were in the future now, so we're we're, we're yeah. listening in the future from the past. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm Ron Burgundy uh, at Blue Meanie BWO on all forms of social media. I'm on Mastodon, but that link is a little bit too long to give out. Uh, you know, uh, Christmas is near, and the Blue Meanie Santa Buddy is here. The limited edition, very limited edition, Blue Meanie Santa Buddy by the Brothers Gather is a fun Christmas take on the original Blue Meanie Buddy they did a couple years ago. So, go to brothersgather.com and click the shop button and get your Santa Meanie Buddy today. Limited supplies last. Don't miss out. Uh, if you want to support the Blue Meanie, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Blue Meanie. If you would like to support my enemy, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Mind of the meanie. See how that works? Uh, collar and elbow. The wrestling brand. Go to collarandelbowbrand.com. Use coupon code meanie to support the blue meanie. But did you know you can also use coupon code mind to support mind of the meanie? That's right. Mind of the meanie is now part of the collar and elbow brand family. So use coupon code meanie or mind. Save 10% and support the show. Uh, now you got all those fancy shirts. Yeah, if you're a bearded fellow like myself, you have to go to madcatbeardcare.com. That's right. My boy, Josh Thornton over there at madcatbeardcare.com is producing the blue spruce, uh, beard oil and beard balm. He's even got a shampoo. Did you know that? I did not. Uh, probably not because I'm stupid and I forgot to mention it. But uh, go to madcatbeardcare.com, get the blue spruce, hook up Josh, who hooks up all the fire cats in this neighborhood, takes care of them, and uh, takes care of the kitties. Now, uh, shout out to my boy Jim Nelson over at glaciersofice.com. Uh, Jim, my boy Jim, uh, made a three of three only handmade custom Air Air Jordan BWO one. Let me start that one over. Uh, Jim made a three of three handmade custom BWO Air Jordan one sneakers for Steve Richards, Supernova, and myself. Each pair takes Jim about fifty hours per pair uh, to make those wonderful shoes that I'm afraid to wear. Quite honestly, I'm afraid to wear them. Uh, but you can follow Jim. On all forms of social media, if Twitter's still there, at GOI Kicks, at, uh, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Again, if it's still there, at GOI Kicks. Cameo.com slash Blue Meanie. Go there for birthday wishes, holidays, graduations, divorces, uh, whatever you want. You know, wherever, wherever floats your boat, go to cameo.com slash Blue Meanie BWO. And I will send a, uh, a very thoughtful, helpful, hopefully helpful video message to you. But most importantly, Mr. Bernard, where can we find you? You are so thoughtful and kind. Thank you, Mr. Meany. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, Instagram, uh, soon to be hopefully Mastodon. And, uh, if Twitter still exists, I'm probably there at this is Goober. Yes, it's my handle. Yes, I'm keeping it. It's a brand, pal. Uh, you can also go and listen to my other show, Foundation Radio, at foundationradio.net. That is my interview show. 
uh, and you, lots of great conversations and stories to be told there. FoundationRadio.net. If you want to get try to get buff and big like me for the upcoming summer season, uh, bikini season will be here around the corner for us fellas. Yeah. Uh, the FeinbergMethod.com. My trainer Brad Feinberg is changing lives all over. Uh, not just physical health, but also mental and uh, emotional well-being health. It's a great guy, great program. Check him out, thefeinbergmethod.com. Consultations are free, and tell him that Goober sent you. He'll know exactly who you're talking about because he gave me that name. So uh, also check out uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. That's a true story, guys. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Foundation Radio. Pick up a shirt. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Mind of the Meanie. Keep the lights on at Casa de Meanie. And also at the Barnard Home for Wayward and Troubled Youth. Uh, go ahead and check it out there. Patreon.com slash Mind of the Meanie. Sign up today. Uh, every dollar that we get for the show goes back into keeping the show running. So we cannot do this without you. Thank you so much. Twitter, Instagram, eventually Mastodon, Mind of the Meanie. Find us everywhere. Meanie, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and we will see you again. Pod Squad, thank you very much. Gobble, gobble. We appreciate you for the Blue Meanie. I am Adam Bernard. Join us again each and every week as we take a trip to the mind. This episode of Mind of the Meanie was recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and was engineered by Carl Pinnell. Additional production and narration provided by Sam Krebs. Our executive producers are Josh Chernoff, Adam Barnard, and the Blue Meanie. Our opening theme is performed by the Swamp Candles. Our closing theme is performed by Chikara. The show contains original music produced by Enrichment. Get additional bonus content by becoming our patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mindofthemeanie. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production in conjunction with the MLW Radio Network. Butts Carlton Proprietor. That was Blue Meanie's brain out. The world of NLW Radio never stops.